0: My guest today, and today is February 7th, 2023, is Howard Silverblatt. He is the Senior Index Analyst of S&P Dow Jones Indices, more commonly known to most of us as the S&P 500. He's got about three decades or longer on Wall Street. He's got a lot of data information and statistics. He knows which industries fared well and which ones didn't fare so well last year. And he's got a pretty good idea of the conditions that might help some industries remain more buoyant and also others that might be subject to sinking. So we're going to use all of his wisdom in order to better inform our own portfolios and we'll get started momentarily. Hi, Howard, it's nice to see you. It's been a couple of years. How are things on Wall Street these days?
1: Uh, we'll know in a little while once uh, Powell speaks, and of course tonight's Biden speech. Uh, however, Wall Street is somewhat empty now. A lot of the buildings uh, have closed floors. Uh, it's a real estate situation. Uh, they've moved them to Midtown, but there's not too much downtown when you go. Even the wagons, the food wagons aren't there. So uh, it's a real estate issue we may or may not get into.
0: Yeah, I really do want to get into that, but let's start off with your crystal ball. In general, I mean, I think that all of us were um, you know, not happy with the way uh, stocks went last year, but also surprised that we didn't have an official recession. What do you see coming up for 2023?
1: I think we're up to a very optimistic start, uh, whether it was fear of uh, missing out or uh, new flows coming in. Uh, We started off very nice at this point in time with a very optimistic investor. Uh, But I think we need to get a more of a grip on reality here. And that reality is earnings. Uh, While they're not coming in uh, good, they're not as bad as was uh, the whisper number on there. But we are selling for a very high P.E. at this point in time. Uh, And I just don't see the growth there at this level.
0: Right. So we talked a little bit then about maybe optimism, maybe newer investors that um, are not accustomed to uh, the flows, ebbs and flows of Wall Street. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: And I will go through the Robin Hood situation that drew in my uh, uh, daughter and son uh, who had <laughs> over 40. She had over 40 stocks at one point. I don't know an analyst that covers 40 stocks. Uh, yeah, well, yes, uh, we we are seeing people uh, in there uh, who have not seen down markets that much. Yes, there was last year, which was uh, very difficult across the board itself. Yeah. However, they haven't seen massive changes. You go back four, five, 10 years, even the market has done very well. And it was the place to be generally in stocks, uh, not all yeah. sectors. But overall, so we do see a lot more optimism and the belief still is that you have to be in the market on the long term. The difficulty here is that uh, there appears to be more timers in there. We're not talking professional. We're talking on an individual basis Mm -hmm. uh, who attempt to time the market. Uh, And there's an old saying, uh, bulls make money, bears make money, uh, pigs get slaughtered. Uh, And timing the market is probably one of the hardest things to do.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. You know, we 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 definitely want to stick into real estate, but I want to start off with the industries that didn't do as well last year and what you see going forward. We definitely saw that NASDAQ was a great deal weaker than the Dow Jones Industrial Average last year. So what is it that you say about technology, biotechnology, some of the things that really sank last year uh, going forward, and then also uh, things that might be a little bit weaker this year than were more buoyant last year?
1: Well, being that uh, this year, all the situations are so totally different, yet we're seeing the old situation return where those that did the worst last year have opened up this year the best, the, the rebounders. Uh, yeah. And and we're seeing that in general. You're seeing it in the communication services and discretionary, uh, in IT. And, and they've done very well this year to date in the, in the mid-teens. Uh, but if you take that chart back to last year, you yes. still, still see deep red numbers. Uh, again, I, I'll have to go back to the earnings that I still think we're not justified uh, in the uh, PE that we're paying. Some of the groups, however, do have good earnings. Uh, energy, which did very well uh, last year. Uh, you know, the earnings are expected to decline, but still represent about, for example, this quarter, 10% of the S&P 500. This sector is only 5%. They are contributing right. a lot more. Uh, so yes, the numbers are going down. Well, we see the reverse somewhat for IT uh where it looks like they're taking uh have more pressure on the downward side for uh for information technology not just chips uh but across the board with selling whether it be something like an, an apple uh, or, or a dell uh, computer si- situations uh but those are expected to get better as we go beyond uh the the first half into the second half. Again, the second half is a lot rosier, and that's what's helping to support the market at this point. Uh, when we read all the uh, guidance that we've gotten you know, from the fourth quarter, uh, it's very down, expecting recessions, but not pessimistic. Uh, most of the CEOs and CFOs are saying that they can live through this situation uh, with the basic belief that things in the second half are going to get a lot better. Uh, Mm -hmm. If that's the way it works out, then we're all good. If not, we're going to have to be repriced.
0: Well, you were talking about the high prices and I was looking at, you know, like Netflix, a lot of the IT communications. I mean, their PE levels are pretty eye popping, you know, uh, compared to their earnings. So what do you see in the industries in terms of pricing? I mean, um, you know, when we look at it across the board, they look very expensive, but Yes. Are there certain industries that are a little more outlandish than others?
1: Oh uh, yes. Our it still is. Um, you know, if you, you like the stock at three eighty, you love it at one eighty. It's not really a justification. <laughs> uh, yes. Again, we're looking beyond the uh, first half at this point because there's more pressures coming in. Margins are still high. Uh, we learned one thing from Q4 that companies were still able to pass through a lot of their uh, uh, higher costs. You know, and sales are expected to be a fourth quarter high, not by a lot, by 1.2%, but still be a right. record for Q4. That The expectation is that we will not be able to continue pushing that through in the first half, which will reduce margins more and take those earnings farther down. Again, we were selling on 2023 and 2024 earnings going forward, and there's a lot of unknowns there. Uh, at at this point in time. But uh, even technology, at least there's earnings there and there is cash flow for a lot of these companies as compared to the uh, uh, late 1990s and early 2000s when we had uh, the declines there where everything was uh, negative numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of cash negative in the dot-com recession. So um, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, high interest rates also make it more, difficult as well as more expensive to borrow. So are you seeing any industries where debt and leverage may be an issue and they may have to raise money at a higher cost?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll start with the the higher end and then move down into the sectors or so. Uh, On a higher level interest expense, at least through the third quarter, because that's the only data we have so far, Uh, we haven't completed Q4 yet, was uh, the highest since uh, 2009. Okay, mm-hmm. but it was still 48% less than 2007. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so the numbers are higher, okay, and it's costing more. But still, when you look at the third quarter, you know, again, what we have full numbers for, it was costing on a dollar average basis for companies in the S&P 500 about 3.4% interest. Right. Uh, that is definitely going up. Uh, 3.4, is may seem like a nice number now, but again, that's, uh, you know, Four, over four months ago, rates have gone up. That's going to be an issue with some companies who can't uh, get the financing. And the lower you go down typically uh, in the market value, the more difficult. So you get small caps, which don't have as many resources as compared to a big cap, could still go to Germany if they want to borrow money at a lower rate. Because you know, they're internationals and they have different kind of assets and relationships as well as uh, – better access to the uh, public markets uh technology ironically uh uses buybacks uh as part of their salaries and they don't uh borrow as much for their general uh expenses so they're a little bit insulated to that uh ironically unless they want to use it for buybacks Uh, Utilities and and some bank, banks banks totally separate but utilities and real estate companies very susceptible to interest expense uh, not just on their, their, their income and flow flow of funds but also on their dividends on the right. uh, we, we I opened with uh, you know commentary on on downtown being empty I can't get a brand muffin from a wagon uh, and we their floors are totally empty I mean I go. and out of other houses and they literally have floors totally empty. Not that they can't sublease them, there's just no market for there. Uh, And that is not just uh, the major cities which I I visited and I've seen, but then you get into the real estate situation of individual homes, which is still a lot of demand and higher prices uh, and interest rates may have you know edged a tick down uh, and uh, we think that it's going to go farther down you know later in the year it's still high. Uh, historically high, no, it's not double-digit uh, numbers the way it used to be uh, from Jimmy Carter times, but it is uh, a lot higher than it was a year, year and a half, two years ago. Uh, and that's definitely putting pressure on the uh, that the real estate market.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we're, we have to talk a little bit about banks because if you look at a mortgage bank sector as an example, I mean, they're really getting hit. How do uh, banks typically fare if the market weakens, and will this one be different because everybody is being so optimistic of um, you know the second half of twenty twenty three.
1: Optimism is nice, but when the Fed does that test, uh, they're, they're pessimistic
0: on there, so that <laughs>
1: that hurts. And, and I might note, by the way, uh, up right through Q four reporting, uh, banks have pulled back on uh, buybacks significantly.
0: Uh, Mm. And
1: the reasoning here appears to be, at least the general consensus, is that they're they're protecting their dividends. Dividends beat out buybacks uh, because they're worried about the next uh, Fed test. Uh, But as far as the market, uh, if we start to get a difficulty uh, in the mortgage market itself where you get defaults on there, the good news is that prices are still high enough that if the banks have to, uh, foreclosed they should get their money back the difficulty here is the lower uh amount of of mortgage rates you may not have a high percentage in there so you could have difficulties we saw in the fourth quarter some a few banks add to their uh reserves for that but in general they have not added that much yet uh, but if we get more pressure across the uh the housing market, in other words, that the buying is not there, the bidding up of the prices, even if it's a lower number of houses, that'll impact their numbers uh, significantly.
0: Okay, so let's dive in to the real estate. And I know there's many forms that real estate can take. You know, we have uh, on the good end, you have storage uh, warehouses and perhaps data centers. And on the other end, you have a lot of empty office buildings. So, um, what do you see for real estate this year, especially with higher interest rates, and even in the housing market, where you know unaffordability is a big deal?
1: Uh, my biggest concern, and therefore the, the the largest opportunity, obviously, is is in offices, uh, which in major cities have been hurt. Uh, yes, all those uh, companies are still paying their rent. Yeah, you know, especially downtown, uh, but as it comes up. 20 floors become 15 floors, become 12 floors, What you know, especially with fewer people going into the offices now. Uh, so that, I think, is where we're going to see the most pressure on. Uh, does it uh, give you the most opportunity? Definitely, you know, risk reward scenarios. Uh, a lot of areas are looking to repopulate the buildings, potentially with, uh, with, with families, you know, homes on there. Uh, We saw that after uh, 9-11 in New York. We've seen that in cities that have uh, redeveloped themselves, you know, from uh, Michigan, Auburn to Pittsburgh. Uh, So they have definitely going to go through some kind of change there. But on the short run, uh, it's definitely on the downside. uh, And prices, to some degree, are showing that in there. So the dividend payout, which uh, on there is expected to potentially decline short run. Uh, but again, it depends how many years it takes to redeploy the assets of uh, the offices. Uh, malls, as depending again where they are, uh, yeah. you know, outside of major cities or standalones. Uh, the difficulty there uh, also exists with the increased web uh, that we all saw during COVID where you went and you ordered everything online that started to decline, but it is still significantly higher than it was 2019. So yeah. the actual shows, uh, the amusing stats, uh, at least that come through on a lot of the, uh, the stores, the retail stores, uh, and malls is, uh, revenge shopping, you know, as compared to revenge travel, you know, people are, are hooked so much that you're getting to some degree uh a, a much higher boost short term. But what happens in another six months uh you know, uh out, do the, does it continue to see those large numbers? So again, here you do have a high risk reward scenario. Uh you have assets, and if you have the ability to hold on to that and develop that area into something else, uh it it's a nice potential. However, the bottom line is that short term. Uh, cash flow is not going to be what you want it to be.
0: Right. Okay. So let's talk real world because I know you have kids. And it, by the way, it doesn't look like you're in the office today, Harry. I I,
1: I, I am not. Uh, it, it got a little <laughs> bit cold uh, up in the city. Uh, I, I, so I am right now down in Florida uh, for oh. a little bit, a while more, and. If you you and I get into a little bit of a disagreement, I am going to take uh, my camera and point it out the window because I am literally <laughs> on the beach
0: and if, uh... I love it. Okay. okay, so so your your daughter had forty stocks, and you remind had. her that had, right? Yeah, you yeah. remind her that analysts, you know, don't babysit forty kids at the same time. And what are, what other words of wisdom are you, look, the the truth is, you know, Gen Z and millennials, the millennials, yes, Gen Z, no, they haven't seen really a downturn. Millennials might have, you know, with their parents, but we have now the two largest cohorts coming into the market, ready to invest, wanting to earn money while you sleep and having, you know, maybe even a foggy memory of the downturn, having broker salesmen saying, Hey, you know, Look at all the money that was made for the past 12 years.
1: Uh, 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 And they get emojis. And they get emojis. You know, they they won. They didn't increase their portfolio. It didn't (laughs) decline in value. They won. Uh, The bottom line here is, uh, too, uh, let let me first answer the bottom a personal item. I'm glad that my two kids lost a few dollars. It is a great lesson to learn. At that age, they're in their 20s. They had a few dollars. They lost it. It You know, as compared to you losing the rent, you losing your retirement uh, yeah. uh, money, your savings. So I think it's good. But it also speaks to that all these kids are now familiar to some degree, good and bad, with the market. That is your future investors going forward, yeah. not just through their 401ks uh, or, or company accounts, but literally on their their cell phone, making trades. So that does speak to them. Do they need to be educated? We probably all do, even at our age still. Um, And eventually it'll come and it'll come in a course, but it does speak to uh, investing on an individual basis. Uh, and where they'll be putting their monies, uh, most of them uh you know from what i'm I'm reading, actually did actual issues as compared to when you get older, you know they got a higher tendency to go more into a fund a uh, an index or right. uh, a mutual something like that uh, but they're definitely stock pickers uh, they need to do a better job, but it, it's very positive for the brokerage industry,
0: yeah, and it's pretty difficult to be a stock picker in a recession, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, most, uh, we, we do a, a quarterly survey and about 85% of the uh, active managers don't beat the index. It's hard to, to you know, to beat an, an index, uh, you know, especially in a, in a down, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And especially if you add in those fees, you know, a lot of them are at best shadowing the index and then they're under due to the fees, right?
1: Uh I'll give you a stat on that. About seven you know, the 17% of the S P five hundred is indexed, meaning if we put an issue in or out, you know, S P does. Uh yeah. that seventeen percent of that that though that issue has to be purchased by people who are licensed. Okay. They have something called emulators, which we believe is more than the seven. These are uh, fund managers, investors that go in and buy that 70% of the S&P 500 uh, directly through instruments, uh, agreements, however they get 70%. And then with a portfolio, that might be a single digit, less than 10 10, uh, issues, try to beat it to cover that cost that you're saying. It would be called a tracking error because the index doesn't have any cost. If you're an actual trader, you have costs. Uh, so we believe that the, uh, you know more than that 17% emulate the index uh, and attempt to beat it with a few stocks on the side.
0: Interesting, interesting. All right, well, I'm gonna give you the last word. As always, thank you so much for you know uh, all the data geeks out there that love the data statistics information. Where can they learn more and where can they get educated more and have access to your wisdom?
1: Uh, wisdom or not wisdom uh, there are files that I put up on on the, uh, the web smpglobal.com you can go to spdji.com and just uh, search s and 500 and you'll start to get a lot of files in the additional data, those are Excel files they're work files, earnings dividends, I mean issue level data with tickers, they're meant to be used, they wow. don't look pretty you, you're the one who has to make them look pretty I yeah. don't make them look pretty they're useful. Uh, if it's a date to date, if it's a number to number, and again, the tickets are in there so you could extract them and use it and cumulative data. Uh, there's a lot of uh, files out there, and it gives you uh, some instruments and some data that you can use you know that's methodology based.
0: Perfect. and, and uh, you pro-
1: that's a good place.:
0: You're probably on social too, right?
1: I am H. B. Uh, okay. At Twitter stands for Howard Silverblatt, but when we started it, we didn't have great guidance on what we could and couldn't do, so we used H silver, B and figured we could always walk away from it if it didn't work out.
0: Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll put we'll put links in there so people can follow you and access you. As you can see, um, Howard tells it like it is, tells you like he sees it, and uh, has some pretty bad dad jokes to boot. <laughs> All right, Howard, any last word before we sign off?
1: No, just, uh, but if you're investing, keep an eye on what you're doing, know your tolerance level. uh, Everybody wants to gain. Losing is difficult. So do not put anything on the table that you can't walk away from.
0: There you go, that's good words of wisdom. So thanks again for joining me. As you know, I do interviews with a lot of folks that we really wanna have their access to their wisdom. Be sure to follow me on social. Um, I'm Natalie Wynn Pace on Instagram and uh, Natalie Pace on a lot of the other places. So you can also find me on Facebook, the ABCs of money. Um, Go to nataliepace.com and it's easy to follow me on social because you just click on the social media icons and there you go. So thanks again for joining me today. And um, if you are interested in learning the ABCs of money and the life math that we all should have received in high school, and to also learn our easy as a pie chart nest egg strategies that actually earned gains in the dot com and the Great Recession. So they are very efficacious at protecting your wealth. Join me at my online retreat. It's a financial freedom retreat. It's April 22nd through 24th. Online, you can attend in your pajamas in your living room. It will transform your life. We also talk about what's safe. So it's a complete money makeover. And we are having early bird pricing through tomorrow only. So early bird pricing ends February 8th. You're going to save at least a couple hundred dollars. If you're bringing someone with you, you're going to save a boatload more because we incentivize um, both couples to come together, but family members, parents with their teens. Um, yeah. So go to natalepace.com, scroll down. You'll find our April retreat information and uh, be sure to register by tomorrow, February 8th, to get the best price. You can call us at 310-430-2397. You can email us at info at Nataliepace.com. And thank you again for joining me today.